Hello, Castech community. My name is Chrissy. I'm the founding director of the Castech project, coming to you from the land of the Web3. Today, I'm joined by Umi's founder, Brand Shu, who's going to talk about the DeFi landing ecosystem within the Cosmo world. A very exciting new ecosystem that is emerging to be leading the innovation about what DeFi can do and also how these different internet blockchain can interact in a way that not only satisfy the globalness of our ability to interact in a composable way, but also allow for independent innovation of ideas that may be in our head, but now being tried in a real, real world. Uh, welcome, Brent. Really great to be here. Thanks for having me, Chris. Excellent. Um, thank, thanks, Brent, for giving us some insight on how you got to this idea of working within the Cosmo ecosystem and this particular uh, ideas about DeFi lending opportunity uh, within uh, your sphere. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to Web3 and to DeFi in particular? Yeah, certainly. It's been a, it's been a very wild ride um, in, in this whole ecosystem. Um, I was lucky enough to be introduced by this uh, by this ecosystem uh, to this ecosystem by some you know pretty 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 great educators out there. Um, so I originally uh, learned about Bitcoin and crypto from a, a class taught at at Duke University by Cam Harvey. Um, he was a uh, he was an economics professor who became very disillusioned by fi- uh, life in the financial system back in two thousand eight mm-hmm. when the mortgage crisis happened. And he was a major libertarian. He he didn't really develop hope for the world until Bitcoin came out, and he felt, oh, this is the answer to all of our problems. So he taught a class on um, on Bitcoin uh, back in 2013, I believe. And uh, you know, I was able to attend and learn about this 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 ecosystem, and uh, everything just kind of evolved from there. I um, I eventually joined uh, Consensus when Joe Lubin uh, gave a talk. Uh, at at one of his classes, and uh, just help build out the Ethereum ecosystem. As a quick side note, I also have you know uh, an anecdote where um, I, I graduated college the same year as Fred Ursham, mm-hmm. the, uh, the co-founder of Coinbase. Yes, so he was actually giving out free free Bitcoin to his friends back in the early days, and we were just like, "What is this stuff? What's what's going on here?" Um, but uh, you know, spent spent uh, several years at Consensus. Helped build out the Ethereum ecosystem, mm-hmm. you know, back before the MetaMask and Furos and Truffles were out. Uh, just helped hire and build out those those uh, teams and expand the Ethereum ecosystem. I eventually left and I joined the Cosmos ecosystem. I joined mm-hmm. Tendermint, which is the team responsible for uh, creating the Cosmos SDK for writing right. Tendermint uh, consensus, which is a, a BFT uh, modern BFT consensus protocol um, with Jay Kwan. And, uh, you know, after we had shipped a, a really powerful communication protocol called IBC, mm-hmm. which is used to connect all Cosmos uh, platforms, I realized time to leave and start my own project, um, which is in the uh, which is in the uh, the Cosmos borrowing and lending side of things. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of my progression. Before crypto, I, I spent over half a decade training bond. So the borrowing and lending space just seemed like a nice interface to get into between uh, crypto and the rest of the financial ecosystem. 
Absolutely. It is amazing that when people look at Cosmos as, oh, that's a new ecosystem. And I actually heard, first heard of, heard of Tendermint in 2014 as a consensus you know, way. And it was at the time where I was not sure if enterprise blockchain is going to be a thing or whether people are going to shop for a consensus algorithm that would scale better than proof of work. Uh, and that was, the, you know, I actually was sharing a stage with someone uh, uh, from the Tendermint. It was, it was very fuzzy very early on in like a private family office type of presentation in uh, midtown Manhattan of all places, not the not the hotbed of crypto. But what's interesting about it is how, uh, based on that kind of one innovation, that there there's this new uh, ecosystem is involved around that. So from from a person who has worked in you know various types of kind of a uh, uh, role, uh, both in terms of building a DeFi program prior to that, working on core protocol, what do you think is the new thing that Tendermint, which is an old thing, but is, you know, maturing, uh, is offering that people who are in the Ethereum space and may be familiar with the limitations and the capability don't know. What is a secret sauce that if you're a chef cooking with Tendermint that you would be able to cook up uh, that the Ethereum Solidity person would not immediately recognize? Certainly. And, you know, it, it's really enlightening seeing the development of these protocols, you know, since the beginning. So, you know, back in 2014, you know, when Vitalik was giving uh, talks on proof of stake and how he, you know, wanted to work with proof of stake protocols, uh, mm -hmm. Jay Kwan, the founder of, of Tendermint, was on the same panels with Vitalik. In fact, um, they actually uh, coincided and, and, and came up with some ideas together. For example, um, the idea of slashing conditions. Right. Um, for example, being able to slash, you know, some proof of stake rewards if you know, you act maliciously or you equivocate. Um, it's funny, uh, Jay Kwan came up with a name uh, for it. He called it the the fallacy of like not doing your job or, mm -hmm. or something, you know, a complicated name. And then Vitalik was like, that's a good idea. Let's, but let's change the name. Let's call it slashing. And uh, right, right. That, that's kind of how the concept of, of, of slashing uh, got created. But I think yeah. but Vitalik I, is pretty good at coming up with names. You got to say the surge, the purge, and the verge. Those are those are some good language wordplay. The, he's a what sale, even though he's a shape rotator in chief. He knows he knows how to he knows how to ship a protocol and make it make it fun and exciting. <laughs> and it's, it's absolutely impressive. Yeah. They're impressive. Slashing it is. Slashing it is. <laughs> I like slashing. We, we could have gone with Jay's yeah. Jay's version, but I yeah. think Vitalik took that one. For <laughs> the fallacy of not performing correct calculations. Right. Um, but uh, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, uh, Jay Kwan went off and and uh, built built Tendermint uh, BFT. And it, it's surprising how many other, um, you know, fast finality consensus protocols reference Tendermint BFT. There's, mm -hmm. you know, many forms of BFT like Istanbul BFT. Um, there's um, just uh, so many derivatives. Um, Eamon Gunsire from Cornell, you know, he was actually one of Jay Kwan's mentors back when Jay was, was studying computer science at Cornell. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of Avalanche's consensus protocol is based off of, you know, something similar to you know, the Tendermint ecosystem, um, other professors like Elaine Shi um, with, with Thunder Token, as mm -hmm. well as, um, you know, the Algorand folks also derive, yes. you know, uh, knowledge from those consensus protocols. And even the way that we see ETH 2.0, um, you know, when we saw the development of Casper, the friendly finality gadget and the Ethereum ecosystem, took a lot of lessons learned um, in, in achieving finality. And so, you know yes. the secret. The secret sauce that that you referenced earlier is definitely the um, 
it's definitely the, 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 the speed and adoption of this consensus protocol. And also the, the real secret sauce is that you'd be surprised by how many other consensus protocols um, were, were influenced by Tendermint and how yeah. interoperable they are. Um, the interoperability yeah. between Tendermint and every other fast finality consensus protocol is really what I consider kind of like the secret I thing see. that makes it all tied together. Yeah, it's like almost like knowing that the same you know gadget or IoT device are all based on the same chip, and you realize that you can connect them together because they have they're speaking the same either OS or protocol. Uh, it's because you know in this kind of Shenzhen style fast copying and everybody modeling each other, there is a kind of ecosystem wide between competitors of compatibility come from that deriving from the same technical truth. Uh, so we see that in the hardware space. You're saying that in the protocol space, you're seeing that as well. I really like that chip example. I feel like that 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 is exactly hits the mark. Like every everything is you know able to connect. Everything's able to you know kind of interop with each other. And it, it, it's kind of cool to see that analogy in the um in the in the, in the hardware space as well. Yeah, some, sometimes I feel like the, the, the blockchain space evolved both very fast, as in like, you know, things are changing all the time. And then you see like a love and investment in tender men. It really requires tender loving care, uh, for, for a long time for it to evolve. And, and the fact that there's a lot of offspring from it is even better. You know, it, it's funny with, um, with proof of stake, uh, when I first joined consensus back in like 2016, you know, we were told that proof of stake was going to ship like next year. We we're like, Hey, should we mine Ethereum? And everyone's saying, no, no, don't mine Ethereum. It's proof of stake is going to, Serenity, which is what they call proof of stake is going to ship in the next year, 2017. We're waiting. We're like, okay, okay. It's going to ship. Yeah. Uh, but we've been, we've been waiting for, for many, <laughs> many years. So. I, I can definitely uh, attest to the fact that when I was talking to a lot of the same people you mentioned, like Joe and, 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 and Vitalik and stuff like that, about ETH1, ETH2 was in the tongue, right? Like they were talking about ETH2 as in the imminent next thing, but it turns out that journey took a little longer uh, than, than, let's say, a year. Oh, certainly. And, and I, I am just deeply impressed by how that upgrade just you know, yes. happened effectively. It was pretty seamless. And I, I attribute it to the fact that they just tested the upgrade on every test net they could. They, they looked yes. at every edge case. They looked at every, you know, potential fallacy that could happen. And, you know, this, the smooth transition between, you know, uh, Ethereum uh, via the merge is just, you know, those are really good executors when it comes to this. This, this yeah, that's real engineering here. The cutover, right? I was on the I was on the live cast, uh, watching the panda, looking for the panda to show up, and it was so uneventful. I went to sleep thirty minutes later. It's like the fact that I can go to sleep thirty minutes after the merge and be able to go to sleep as well uh, is a testament to the amount of uh, engineering and and professionalism and care and just absolute, you know commitment to success and 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 people look at sometimes web 2 people which you know my brethren from back in the days were like oh web 3 is not real tech it's like well that's it's hard difficult difficult tech may not have the consumer scale that your web scale uh, s3 bucket has uh, but it, it it definitely has the same professional engineering that at, at least now uh, with with more people that grew up with the space as also people joining the space that has been uh, that's working on this stuff um, so from from yours 
thoughts. Obviously, this is, you know, our conversation just now probably makes sense to people who have been following the space, but to most people who understand tech, see themselves as savvy, uh, that was gibberish. (laughs) It's still very foreign to the lived experience of building web scale application, let's say. Um, What is your sense of the kind of the the, the trigger of adoption, especially for the Cosmo ecosystem, right? Obviously, there's a different wallet technology. There's a different set of uh, kind of knowledge and jargon expectation. since you're now kind of shifting away from kind of working on a protocol, understanding how the challenges of making these proof of stake system works, and moving to using a proof of stake system, what are you seeing in terms of both the challenges, but more, probably more interesting than, than that uh, for me? What are the shortcuts that a system in Cosmo provide to a new developer, new to uh, blockchain and Web three development? What can Cosmo offer that is a way to gain that user adoption that uh, would be, let's say, ahead of other ecosystems? Yeah, uh, you know, that, that's a great question. That that really is the uh, the, the billion-dollar question uh, for this space, you know. Um, and it's it's funny, uh, you, you mentioned the challenge and the shortcut. The challenge and the shortcut are actually the same thing, in my opinion, hmm. for the Cosmos space. Mm. Uh, this is what I mean. So, uh, well, I, I referenced earlier the reason I, I left uh, Tendermint to start UMI is because uh, the Cosmos ecosystem successfully sh- uh, shipped a protocol called IBC. So yes. IBC is a very special protocol. It's basically what a does modern- it stand for again? I- IBC. What does the acronym stand for? Certainly, it stands for Interblockchain Communication Protocol. Um, it's effectively a module within the state machine of one chain that relays messages to a module within the state machine of another chain that mm-hmm. acts as this, uh, this transfer authentication ordering layer that, that connects between those two chains. In layman's terms, what this means is that you can send packets of information from one chain to another with really fast finality. The finality is dependent upon the, the speed of the consensus of the, uh, of the mm-hmm. blockchain itself. Um, and so the way it uh, ferries packets of data from one chain to another as a low-level communication pro- protocol is very, very similar to how TCP IP uh, routes packets of data from one router to another to the right. point where we actually think that um, IBC can be the, the second coming of TCP IP for the crypto ecosystem. We think right. that uh, IBC is is able to um, connect everything together, to connect any fast finality chain. This also coincides with what I said earlier about Tendermint. Tendermint is a you know a replicated consensus protocol that other chains have take, taken pieces of to build. Yep. And uh, basically, I think that IBC can connect uh, every every chain together uh, via this low-level communication protocol. And so, the challenge that you're referencing is that you just gotta you just gotta get other chains to accept this communication protocol as a viable mechanism to to connect these chains. And therefore, lies the uh, the, the big challenge in one of these um, you know major innovations for Cosmos. Right. And what's interesting about it, in the absence of something like IBC and the other ecosystem, there have been a lot of point-to-point bridges where the finality is measured in, I need to wait 30 minutes for my funds to show up, and hopefully it does. Uh, we've all used some of those bridges. We've actually built some based on the uh, uh, XDAI chain, which is now Gnosis Chain's bridge technology for certain things uh, that we're doing with payment network as a layer two. Um, so, you know, deposit and withdraw into this fast network can go through these kind of point to point bridge and then you have people talking about like are there like 
layer zero or this kind of like bridge of bridge protocol that reduces the security uh, risk and people looking at chain link having been a trusted oracle that sits in between as possibly that middleware do you see ibc as the type of generalized bridge technology between these chains especially ones that's moving to proof of stake or is proof of stake yeah so i think the way to to look at it is that you know, it's, you know, definitely XDAI, XDAI chain, Gnosis chain, you know, brought a lot of innovation to, you know, how you connect between different chains. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing to note about the architecture of a lot of these, you know, these bridges is that in many ways they felt like, you know, there was a intermediary bridge between the two chains and the intermediary bridge sort of was a, was a custodian or you yes. know, sort of a, a, a in some in some ways a glorified multi-sig in in some instances the the bridge was so um vast that it was a chain in and of itself for example yes. um when you when you look at you know the layer zeros or, or some of the bridges in cosmos that connect between a fast finality cosmos chain with a with a probabilistic finality ethereum chain um mm-hmm. the bridges themselves are just chains in and of themselves that had a consensus protocol and they had a yes. native token that secured the the validity of the bridge and so these are good temporary solutions, but as you referenced earlier, you know, a lot of times you'd have to wait multiple transaction confirmations. You know, if you bridge from Polygon to Ethereum, you actually have to wait block confirmations due to the probabilistic um, finality of, of, of the, the, the chain-to-chain interaction. Mm-hmm. And both sides, but, actually. <laughs> that's correct. Two probability, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so the basis of IBC is that as long as you have a module within the state machine of that blockchain, and as long as you um, represent the consensus protocol of that chain to accept the IBC transaction, of course, this is, as I mentioned, a challenge. Not not every chain yes. is going to want you to modify their their overall state machine. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, all Cosmos chains accept this. Uh, we actually yes. successfully connected... Uh, uh, the UMI blockchain with uh, the Polygon testnet via their Heimdall consensus layer via IBC, uh, mm, and this is due to the fact that Polygon is um is uh, uses a consensus protocol called Peppermint, which is a fork of Tendermint. You know, uh, once again, right. it's Tendermint all the way down, and therefore right. it, was, it was quite easy. Binance uh, Binance chain also uses a fork of Tendermint consensus, and you're going to see a lot of these uh these these cross chain interactions can be you know facilitated by you know. Uh, you know, this IBC as a as a as a cross chain communication protocol. Yeah, I think this whole idea of the whole uh, probabilistic versus not type probabilistic kind of finality type of thing is really where the compatibility and the need for that custodian multisig uh, appears. But I do believe this idea that these blockchain can communicate whether they're directly on top of the Cosmo SDK in the way that you will write a Cosmo application or just compatible with the layer underneath or Tendermint or some other mint, Peppermint or Spearmint or whatever. Like, you know, we come up with new mint uh, that you probably come run out of genomes of mint after a while if there's so many versions of it. Uh, uh, that seems like a very uh, uh, good way because I really believe this, uh, that that lack of interoperability or the very expensive and risky interoperability that we provide right now by way of these uh, custodial bridge, let's call them right, semi-custodial or custodial depends on how you look at it. Uh, it, it seems like a, uh, a no-brainer in terms of uh, something you want to achieve. Uh, do you see 
in the Cosmo ecosystem, you know, you mentioned that you were working in the Ethereum space prior to MetaMask and Ethereum. MetaMask, obviously, being the user-facing wallet, and the Infura is the lifesaver or the life taker. Depends on how you look at it from a developer point of view. Uh, um, uh, in terms of that, what do you see as the kind of consumer on-ramp uh, state of consumer on-ramp within the Cosmo ecosystem? And then, can I tell us a little bit about how that relates uh, to your launch? Uh, using those tools uh, in the ecosystem uh, for UMI. Certainly. So you know, we we saw with with Ethereum, you know, tools like you know MetaMask and Vera Truffle really brought in the the mass the massive uh, user adoption in, in in this space. And um, you know, with with Cosmos, it's it's actually very special. Um, with Cosmos, uh, every every chain uh, can be their own app. And there's sort of this um, th- there's this ability to bring a lot of chains in this ecosystem. So, um, and the fact that they can all connect with each other via IBC is a uh, a uh, a major a major improvement to blockchain mesh interactivity. Um, in terms of uh, bringing more folks in the Cosmos space, I think I, w- I want to tackle this question from from bringing more folks into the in, into the cosmos space because in mm-hmm. terms of like user facing side there's you know already you know a few good tools but i think i think the true uses of cosmos is being able to launch chains via um via the cosmos sdk mm-hmm. and um the, the way that umi is approaching this is that we actually launched a a uh, a lending dao uh called udx uh, UDX is focused on expanding the bar and the lending uh, interface for all crypto assets, and so the way that we're actually bringing more users and more adoption mm-hmm. into into Cosmos is um, uh, for every loan issued through UDX, uh, we want a loan specific blockchain, basically a way mm. to launch a blockchain that affiliates with every single loan that's part of the network, and this is our way to basically expand. You know, mass adoption of Cosmos and just encourage you know more users to to be able to see the the different interfaces and to access you know all of these all of these chains via a, a unified a unified um, connective uh, layer. So that that's kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're doing for the for the for the overall Cosmos space. So in the world where launching a blockchain and uh, is uh, you know free uh, or cheap or very easy to connect it, so you're not really uh, creating a new island off uh, off the waters of uh, of the New York Harbor, which is behind me here, uh, then nobody can get there. That's not very useful. Obviously, with the bridge and, and the ability for that to connect, it's great. Uh, what do you think is the biggest reason where a IDA dApp or even in some cases a user of a dApp wants to launch their own blockchain? When does that trigger become sensible? Yeah, so um, so by all means, when, when launching a dApp, um, a lot of times it makes sense to use a, a pre-existing chain. Um, you know, you might want to use Ethereum, you might want to use a sidechain or, or a layer two scaling solution, uh, or you might want to use one of the pre, uh, pre-existing established Cosmos chains. But mm-hmm. I think the the key to launching a, a chain itself is when you want a very viable um, business mechanism, like a, a very complicated use case, um, yeah. where you want all the full resources of the consensus protocol of that chain dedicated to your app or business or, or, or loan or what have you. 
Mm-hmm. And so when you want all of the, the consensus resources, all of the interoperability, all of the flow of TVL, you know, of that particular use case you have in mind to concentrate in your chain and have the consensus protocol of the chain dedicated to that use case, that's mm-hmm. when it makes sense to launch uh, a new chain. And so we viewed this um, being the being a, a a part of launching loans because loans are actually quite complicated. Loans themselves are you know sort of their own business entities and they require mm-hmm. a lot of loops, a lot of iterations, a lot of calculations that right. don't necessarily make sense on um, more monolithic chains. And so we felt that it made sense to dedicate all of the resources of a chain specifically to a lot of these use cases. And so that that's kind of the, the logic that we use for why we want to launch loan-specific blockchains. And the same logic that should be applied for anyone else who wants to launch their own chain and uh, mm-hmm. eventually use the, the full force of their blockchain. Eventually, we think that you know there's going to be a chain on a cell phone. Cell phones are going to have chains on them. They're going to be so lightweight if we apply sort of a Moore's Law approach to you know blockchain scalability. And so mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of the way that we see the evolution of this space. Absolutely. You know, some people say, oh, I want some version history of the work that uh, you're doing. It's like, can I introduce you to blockchains? And then people get pretty surprised when I say, yeah, a version management system is kind of like a chain, right? You know, the, each change is deltas and you can trace it and you can share it or you can validate that that actually came from that history. And then I tell them that, you know, Git, which is a protocol for development of version control, is like a blockchain. Uh, those are the type of like uh, uh, either really interesting dinner conversations or I lost the people and I have to change my subject and talk about the Yankees or something. Uh, but, <laughs> but hopefully I, I'm in a privileged situation with like-minded people and uh, that, that is interested in that kind of thing. Do you see Chris, this? Are you, are you suggesting we're going to launch a GitHub chain? Because that would, uh, be, yeah, that would be amazing. I, we should do that, right? Like uh, we actually thought about doing something with, uh, you know, anchoring commits to chain, which actually does make sense. Because if you think about uh, the ability for you to use like something like Filecoin or Arweave to store the actual uh, files themselves, what you really need to know is what is head, what is the latest version. And you can use blockchain for that, uh, and then you know, with the combination of some files and some blockchain, maybe some monetization, you can actually put most of GitHub, maybe not the UI part on chain uh, and, and actually leverage a lot of Git for the actual storage and packing of the data and the kind of like the reduction. So we did some research around that. We call it Git chain. Uh, and it was kind of a kludgy, you know, using Ethereum blockchain with a smart contract dealing with heads and then a bunch of like, you know, storage on IPFS dealing with the actual bytes and then a CLI, a command line program to kind of munch it together. But it's definitely possible. It seems like on the Cosmo SDK, that may be easier. Before you <laughs> before you uh, launch launch the, uh, the the Git chain, can you make sure to delete some of the arguments on GitHub, you know, for my org to make sure that they're not solidified into the blockchain? That's that seems like a good idea. Uh, you can change history in Git, but you can't change history in a blockchain. Exactly. Um, so um, so so that there, there's certainly some 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 differences there. For the other folks out there, we'll launch a Yankee, a Yankees chain too. That that will be the the next step after after Git chain. I think that'll be good. Uh, the high water mark is going to be sixty two, uh, and then we'll be, <laughs> you never get over uh, uh, block sixty two. Uh, that's a very uh, local Aaron Judge joke. Uh, the, the so you know tell tell me a little bit about the 
the the UMI protocol in terms of you know from your experience trading bonds. Obviously, the kind of money market uh, um, you know um, DeFi product like Compound were relatively simplistic. I wouldn't say trivial. I would say quite basic. Uh, you know, if you talk about you know traditional banking and then kind of like bond products and various types of fixed income product, it gets pretty complicated right away. I was trying to understand a white paper for someone gave me around uh, a chain that was uh, I think Adapter was doing options. I was like, this is beyond me. Like, I understand it, but like, I don't grok it. You know, there's a difference between the two. It's because, you know, as a technologist, I think I understand all the technical bits, but I don't understand the kind of, you know, TradFi bits. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're bringing with Ume into the kind of the, the DeFi space from your understanding uh, of what is possible and what will allow for more kind of non-speculative, useful financial products on DeFi for people who are looking for more capital efficiency. Yeah, so so the the bond markets are the biggest, um, one of the biggest, if not the biggest market in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Fixed income is just it, it touches every part of the financial system globally with with every nation in the world. There there is debt. Debt is you know one of the foundations of of a uh, you know human society. Um, but one of the problems is that. The bond market is also one of the most opaque markets in the mm-hmm. world. It's it's um, you know, built around you know institutions that you know uh, hold a lot of these these uh these these connections in a in a you know black box uh, mechanism for for how business is conducted, and so one way we look at it is that we wanna we wanna open source the bond markets. We wanna put the bond markets on a public on a public mm. blockchain. You know, public blockchains are great for transparency. They're also great for auditability. Um, open source code is, you know, the future of how software should be written. It's also open source code is a freedom form of freedom of speech. For sure. And uh, and so that that's the that's the direction we're going. And we want to do it piece by piece. For example, in order to have a bond market, you need something called a yield curve or a term structure of interest rates. This is a this is basically like a, a treasury curve that represents what your risk-free rate is so that you can use this curve to price other forms of, of borrowing and lending. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't exist in crypto yet. We're building a, right. we're building a, a native yield curve that uses um, a term structure of interest rates to determine, for example, the time value of an Ethereum, a time value of a DAI, a time value of a LINK, time value of an MKR token, time value mm-hmm. of an AVAX, time value of a Matic token, time value of a Cosmos token. And so... By having that, the first thing that you get is um, you're able to build credit. So credit quality is actually um, it's actually based on a derivative of the risk-free rate. So if you have, for example, a, a risk-free rate for a one-year uh, loan, then you're able to price um, you know the the credit quality of let's say another protocol that wants to borrow money at one year, and you get you get to price um, their interest rate based on a spread. To what the risk-free rate is. So after you have mm-hmm. a risk-free rate, you have a you have credit. After you have credit, you have a world of possibilities on just all the complicated um, products that that um, you can build. And so, Umi is focused on a few things. Umi is focused on sort of that simplistic money market bond and lending side of things. Um, but we're also focused on bringing a yield curve or a term structure of interest rates to crypto. And on top mm-hmm. of that, UDX, the announcement that we just made um, about a week ago, is going to be focused on bringing the rest of the bond markets into crypto 
by onboarding many different institutional supporters and just allowing these tools to be used in a broader sense. And slowly but surely, we want to we want to get all the the TradFi uh, you know bond ecosystem to get it rebuilt in crypto. And uh, I think that's the future the future goal of this. It's really exciting. It's also it show how important it is to know where you're going while you're stepping into it. And you know, you, you, it's very easy to say I am doing a money market protocol on a pick a random selection on the thing a chain. Uh, but to know that that is a prerequisite, almost like a kind of foundation of technology. But then you have two or three more steps. Those are, I believe, the type of planning that you have to do in the industry that seems like you can never plan. No, oh yeah, you can, right? Because the roadmap is in the system that we are, you know, either replacing or supplementing or whatever it might be. The question is how did those use cases where there's a different type of bond uh, mechanisms and stuff like that and credit market mechanism, how does that translate to the quirky twos of blockchain stuff? Um, that's really, really interesting. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier that the computation necessary to do these kind of second and tertiary uh, building blocks on top of a basic money market or the you know the the you know the, the underlying assets that, that the money market manages. Um, what what is the uh, type of processing that's happening to create this yield curve? Like, what is the sausage making process of making this yield curve? Certainly. So, um, let's let's take a thought experiment. I think I can break down th- this experiment in a, in a way that folks out there can understand. Let's mm-hmm. take let's let's take a, a Ethereum and we put it in a smart contract for thirty days, and. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure folks out there know about AMM pools. Let's imagine putting that 30-day Ethereum into an AMM pool with a spot Ethereum, basically Ethereum that's you know readily tradable. Now, AMM pools really like mean reverting assets. That means assets that that whose prices are you know roughly stay the same because it it minimizes impermanent loss and minimizes um you know negative effects of of putting you know something in an AMM pool and. Uh, and effectively, the value of that 30-day ETH, the, the Ethereum that's locked in that smart contract for 30 days, is the time value of Ethereum in 30 days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, immediately you have the time value of money, you have the time value of Ethereum. You can take this same concept and extrapolate it to the 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, one year, two year, five year, 10 year, 30 years. And you have the development of a forward curve, basically a curve that can... Um, basically price time like this this curve mm-hmm. is designed to price the value of ethereum during these different time periods mm-hmm. you can get a little bit complicated too you can for example instead of putting an ethereum you put a staked ethereum like a proof of stake yes. ethereum yeah that's uh, allocating proof of stake yield during that one month time two month time you can put a proof of stake atom an atom that's staked you can put any proof of stake token and you get to a point where proof of stake consensus is actually being used as something to represent different forms of opportunity cost. It's also used mm-hmm. to, um, you know, um, be sort of this uh, this this proxy to um, measure inflation or even sometimes hedge against inflation, uh, economic mm-hmm. inflation. I mean, like uh, CPI. Um, yes. And so th- that's that's the magic of of crypto and, and 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 yield curves. You can really figure out the value of time. And I think blockchain consensus protocols. Um, the most important concept in all of finance and economics really is the concept of time value. Probably, absolutely. 
I mean, for the people who have been kind of waiting for the merge to happen, uh, how much is a stake ETH worth two months before? Is the first of all, when is going to happen? When is going to unlock? And then pricing that time. I mean, yes, it's like one time period of one uncertainty, but people are getting the sense that this idea of ETH and stake ETH and the time aspects and risk aspect, there's a thing there. And I, what you're basically saying that that's a one time event for a group of people to worry and not be able to sleep is actually the foundation for understanding uh, in a more general sense, a more continuous sense of, you know, what are the different plots along the way is brilliant. It's, that was a great analogy. Stick it does make it more complicated, but it is something that I think a lot of people do understand, uh, especially people who have held some ETH or have some stake ETH, uh, God forbid, uh, in that time period. And, and it feels like, you know, what is my time worth, right? That, that's what you ask yourself every day. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, time time is money, right? And so, stake ETH is just <laughs> is. representative of, of of you know the ability to measure opportunity costs. And this technology is powerful. Like blockchain yes. is really just a transformation of how we should view you know all, all just the, the way the markets are built together. So, I think you hit yep. the nail on the head there in terms of uh, just just the importance that this could represent for folks. It's really cool. Uh, you know, I, I had a finance uh, fan of mine that was trying to explain to uh, me, like, you know, fixed income versus equity. He was like, you know, imagine uh, an M&M. That's the equity market. Imagining the Pacific Ocean. That's fixed income, right? Uh, the, uh, maybe a slight exaggeration, but I don't think so. I, I think it's a lot of things that, that are fixed income that is in that kind of bond market that people, uh, regular people don't see. It's not on CNBC in the same way. It's reduced into one number or two numbers or 10 numbers. Uh, but yeah, it's really what keeps the world going, you know? Yeah. And, you know, fixed income is also, you know, slower, slower moving in terms of just innovation just because you're, you're handling such large amounts of capital with, with, with equity markets, you definitely get this, you know, volatility aspect that, that kind of appeals to sort of the, 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 the traditional investor. Um, but yeah, fixed income, you know, definitely a, a, a space to, to gradually uh, expand and evolve. And, uh, yeah, we think that crypto is a great way to kind of transform it and just make it more efficient and, uh, just, really revolutionize how we look at look at things you can also think of like um i don't know if you're familiar with sort of the history of the mortgage crisis but the truth of the matter is is that the mortgage crisis um you know it happened in 2008 but it mm-hmm. was actually happening for 30 years it was happening since the first issuance of the mortgage-backed security back in 1984 and right. basically you had layers of bad debt layers of toxic rehypothecation and layers of just bad practices layered on top of each other for 30 years. And basically after 30 years of bad stuff happening, you had a meltdown where $50 trillion of value was just disappeared from the global economy. Mm -hmm. Very, very bad. Mm -hmm. But the cool part about crypto is that, you know, we saw these, these, you know, bankruptcies and defaults with like BlockFi, Celsius, Voyager, yeah. Vold, a centralized you know. CDFi, you know, or yeah. CFi, or maybe even CFi, you know, all the CFi, all the CFi <laughs> players, and you saw you saw them go bankrupt and go belly up. Um, but what's really kind of the silver lining, which actually positive part of them going belly up, is that it they they only were able to get away with what they were doing for about two or three years, and the bankruptcy mm-hmm. only took two or three months to happen. They just, that's true. Everything was on a public blockchain, everything, you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, you can't, you know, it's, it's publicly auditable. And so 
that's a major improvement. Like you, you allowed you know bad companies to go bankrupt in the span of two months, as opposed to allowing them thirty years of the ability to you know hide debt and rehypothecate. And so, yes, I think society is moving in, in the right direction with this tech. Yeah, it's amazing how much progress is mentioned by the uh, it's it's measured by the speed speed of iteration instead of just the speed itself, right? If you can recover very fast, if you can try again and 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 put it again, that's really where you kind of advance the clock. I'm not saying everything is turn based, but it's the number of turns that we can take uh, that that really advances the game, uh, not just the elapsed time. And obviously, if you take a lot of terms really quickly, which seems like we're doing in increasing frequency, we are actually. Uh, having a lot of elapsed times or or person years uh, being being evolved, I, I have one question for you, and this is something that I've 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 asked the media folks as thinking about the future of media and Web three. Uh, are the people in the traditional finance world going to be leading the translation of their hard earned expertise in bond markets or options market or whatever forex market or do you think the kids who are trading doge today is going to finally learn and kind of get the sense of what you're teaching them and learn along the way and become the real masters by way of this amateurish learning are we waiting for the professional tradfi people to come and enlighten us or we're just going to figure it out on our own present company excluded <laughs> that is that that is definitely a, it's kind of a loaded question and and I appreciate that question that is a uh you know that that question hits deep into um a, a lot of folks hearts because you know this is a big market and there's you know thousands of years of of debt history that that mm-hmm. you know built the debt markets to what they are today um the way I see it is that um I it's really hard to say whether or not a legacy tech or legacy tradfi, you know, companies are going to necessarily, you know, want to, you know, address this innovation, whether they want to really acknowledge some of this change because that's sometimes part of the business, you know, part of part of the the advantages of, you know, legacy tradfi systems is just the opacity is, you know, how yes. they make money, you know, if they're, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a, a broker you know, the way they, they, they generate revenues is by, you know, knowing more than, you know, what's available out in the rest of the, in the rest of the market. I think, um, the true, uh, the true, um, beacon of innovation that can happen in this market is really, um, sort of a hybrid approach, basically, you know, um, a, a project or an ecosystem that knows both sides of the equation who, Right. You know, have spent time on, you know, in legacy fixed income trading, but also know, you know, very much about, uh, you know, DeFi, open source tech, you know, the importance of crypto and just, uh, figure out a way to incept, you know, similar to, you know, how, you know, electric cars first came out. Like it wasn't necessarily the, the legacy car makers that created the best solution. It was more, you know, an outsider that, you know, understood, you know, parts of that, that ecosystem and, and who were able to kind of incept a, a really good product in there. And so, you know, I think, I think the way we see it is we, we, we hope that the, the, the innovation, you know, um, does permeate, but, but, uh, whether it, whether it be coming from, you know, tr- a traditional bond trading shop is, is, is a kind of a difficult call in, in my mind at the moment. 
you know, I think if you look at the people who work for SpaceX and Tesla, a lot of them had experience working for Lockheed Martin on the SpaceX side and working for, uh, you know, maybe GM on, on stuff like that. But the operating system, the corporate environment, possibly the culture, and obviously the founder, uh, uh, does make a huge difference in about providing a new way of working together. But uh, I'm a deep, I'm a deep believer that in Web three, we have to really, you know, Web one plus Web two, not Web one gone, Web2 gone. It's just about building on top of technology. And we feel the same way around some of the stuff we're working on, which is uh, to build the next generation Web3 user interface, which is what we focus on. A lot of the tech we need is coming from places like LinkedIn. Like, you know, how do you do web scale, you know, with 400 engineers working together, build one cohesive UI? Could we make a cohesive UI for DeFi or for Web3 for DAO? Well, modularization, micro front end, these are all things that are being worked on in this larger company. And there are some intersection, not exactly the same. We don't have the same command and control structure, but certainly in JavaScript land, you could share some techniques and there's a lot of work we do. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a bit mixed. But I, one thing that is hard to get rid of is someone who, uh, a founder who has that uh, clarity on both sides and it seems like you do uh, and it's I'm sure every day you're working on a conflict it's like uh, can I do this should I do this can I do that should I do that uh, but uh, but it seems like you have a very clear uh, uh, mind uh, going forward and that we need more of uh, people like you who have done both protocol work DAP work Trap5 C5 more importantly understanding the culture and the importance of open source because at the end of the day that's where the composability really lies Oh, de definitely. I mean, uh, you know, re really appreciate your support on that front. And uh, I think I think part of it is also um, uh, just getting uh, past the psychological barriers. I, I, I think, um, you know, with, with this technology, it's beyond beyond the tech side of things. There's also, you know, sort of the, the, the human social aspects. These are like, you know, highly guarded parts of, of um, the way financial systems work. For sure. And mm -hmm. so part of it is just kind of getting getting the the legacy incumbents comfortable enough with, with how the development's going. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it, it it's it's definitely a, a a career long like dedicated challenge. And uh, you know, in and of itself, and we're we're approaching it from the you know financial side of things. We're also approaching it from the protocol side. You know, mm -hmm. IBC is sort of our our flagship, our uh, our north star, so to speak. Um, right. I think IBC being adopted as a, you know, TCP IP of crypto and right. eventually seeing just the, the launch of more and more blockchains, uh, this is just going to naturally cause, accelerate the, the, the progression of, of, of these, of these, uh, ideas. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's ex really exciting to see uh, kind of innovation and progress being made in multiple layers. Uh, and, in, you know, we cover many of them right now as consensus layer, the actual like IBC, the kind of bridging and communication layer, and obviously the uh, the application itself. Uh, to say that Bond is a DAP uh, is kind of a bit of a <laughs> understatement and overstatement at the same time. It, it, it is a whole market and it is a whole uh, kind of craft and understanding uh, but, you know, yeah, it's very, very cool to have you share with us today uh, very specific insights in how those three things uh, work together. And, you know, crypto founders, uh, 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 jacks of many trades, but obviously we uh, we have a lot to uh, 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 learn from each other. And I, I learned a lot from you today in, in those particular areas, which are not areas my expertise, uh, but I seem like I know a little bit more. Hopefully it doesn't cost me to launch a, another DeFi landing protocol. <laughs> 
<laughs> I focus on what I know to do, which is UI composition. That was at its own own domain. Uh, are there any th- other things you want to share with the community today, based on uh, the progress of your project, and like kind of what are the next thing for you guys to focus on or now? Certainly. So, um, you know, the the way we see it is that. Uh, you know this this network is uh, this whole blockchain ecosystem is all, always about upgrades and so you know we're looking forward to our you know major mainnet upgrade that's going to allow native IBC assets to be borrowed and lent between different chains uh-huh. and so you know that's nice. actually right around the corner it's around the around the horizon and uh you know it's um we're looking forward to bringing uh so much more activity to to IBC to the IBC network we're looking forward to you know, bringing more attention to this to this ecosystem, and you know, I'm I'm just happy to be talking about uh, those types of innovations and, and tech progressions on 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 this uh, on this podcast. And mm-hmm. um, overall, just you know, I hope I hope folks uh, keep a lookout. You know, in a way, you know, with with UDX, we want to launch the, uh, the 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 Drexel Burnham of the uh, of the crypto of the crypto debt ecosystem, and we want to basically build out this this entire market. And uh, just you know, I hope folks you know keep a keep a lookout and uh, check out what we're building. Yeah, and the 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 the, the revolution will be not, will not be televised. It will just be published on an Im- immutable ledger and 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 commentated on various YouTube and podcasts. So so I'm glad we we add to the uh, the history of the annotation of this director commentary as this thing is happening actually uh, for all to see. And that transparency is really what drives our industry forward. Hopefully, uh, in a way that we don't have to wait 30 years for something to get build up and t- torn down maybe we may be 30 months away for the type of uh, change that we would like to see i'm looking forward to git chain yes sir yes that is, uh, <laughs> yes yes uh, that is a real awesome. way of of, of 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 bringing together version management and the uh, the immutable history of the blockchain into one thing uh, um, so thank you so much for your time today uh, I, I really appreciate your uh, you know your honest insight into not only what you're working on but you know kind of what we ought to do as a community to bring web3 uh, not only to the masses in the type of like hand wavy you know billion people coming in but uh, making so that this land that we're building this web3 land of various blockchain wallets and dapps uh, are worth moving to it's a place that you want to migrate to uh, and that, that you want to call this your home. So uh, many people are building uh, uh, this for some early Burning Man quality people. Uh, this, you know, is a desert. Uh, but for other people, this is home. And, and hopefully this can be home to much more uh, many people and the different ecosystem coexisting and connecting in an in a, in a internet way. Uh, that's a really exciting future. Absolutely, Chris. Really appreciate you having me on. It's a it's a pleasure pleasure talking about all this stuff, and you know your your insights are very valuable as well. I'm glad uh, we were able to share and uh, you know talk through this. This is awesome. Likewise, this is a really great conversation. And and as a community, as always, we like to invite builders who are actually building it and sharing their real insight, what they're actually thinking. I uh, hope this was uh, helpful. And until next time, take care.